After discussing what exactly Peor is, as well as where in the field one has to take Peor from, the mission is now going to tell us which species are obligated in Peor. And there are five conditions which the mission is going to list, and only something which has all five of these conditions, from that produce one has to take Peor. And this is all learnt from the fact that the Pesach says, When you harvest the Ketzer of your land. And the word Ketzer refers specifically to food which fulfills all of these conditions. Says the Mishnah, The Chachom said a rule about Peor. When does one have to take Peor? The answer is, It has to be that the produce is food, meaning it's properly edible, it's, e- it's eaten under normal circumstances, not just in emergencies. And this condition also means that it has to be ripe. If somebody harvests their field before the produce is ripe, then it's not considered edible properly yet, and therefore it would be exempt from payer. Condition number two, the nishmar. It's got to be guarded and protected. If it's ownerless, then it's exempt from payer. In fact, even if it grew while it was ownerless, and then somebody took hold of the field and harvested it, since it grew when it was ownerless, the harvester does not need to take payer from that field. Thirdly, the gidulov min ha'aretz. It has to grow and get nutrition from the ground. So things like mushrooms and other fungi which grow on the ground or on other things but don't have roots which gain nourishment from the ground, rather they gain nourishment from the air, they would be exempt from payer because again it would not be considered kitsir. Fourthly, it has to be produce which is all gathered in at the same time, meaning it's normal to harvest the entire field in one go. Not like certain fruits such as figs which all ripen at different times and therefore you pick the fruit off as they ripen. Ketzir only includes things which ripen roughly at the same time and therefore are harvested at the same time. And finally, it's something which one brings in to last. Something which is stored for a long time and doesn't spoil quickly. Now this condition is actually very significant because most vegetables do not last that long and therefore most vegetables are exempt from payer because they lack this condition. When I say the produce is exempt from payer, obviously I just mean that the owner, the farmer who's harvesting it, is exempt from taking payer from that produce. So the mission tells us that only something which has all five of these conditions, chayv payer, is obligated in payer, meaning the owner is obligated to take payer from this produce. And again, the reason for this is because the POSIC says that what is chayv in payer? Ketzir. So only something which is ketzir, meaning it has all five of these conditions, is obligated in payer. And the mission notes that v'hatavua, Grain, and this is referring to the five primary grains, namely wheat, barley, spelt, oat, and rye. So the five grains are kidneys and different legumes, which includes beans, peas, and other similar produce. Baklal hazeh are within this rule, meaning those five grains which we mentioned. And most legumes, they generally fulfill all five of these conditions, and therefore would be obligated in payer. Now this last part of the mission is also telling us that even when it comes to these grains and these beans, if they don't fulfill all the five conditions, for example, if you harvest a wheat field but before it's ripe, then they are part of this rule and therefore one would be exempt from taking payer. Because in that scenario, they would not cover all five conditions. Mishnah hey, most of the time that the Torah uses the word kotzer and kutzuchem, that word which means to harvest, generally it refers to produce which grows directly on the ground, such as grain, such as beans, like we just mentioned, and therefore I might have thought that fruit which grow on a tree should be exempt from payer because they're harvested in a totally different way to produce which grows directly on the ground. Certainly in those days when they harvested trees, they would just take the fruit off with their hands, whereas when they harvested grains, they would use other instruments in order to do so. However, when the Torah gives an example of something which is obligated in payer, it talks about an olive tree. 
which shows clearly that fruit of a tree are obligated in payout, even though you harvest them in a different way. However, because you might have thought otherwise, the Mishnah is now going to list eight different trees which are obligated in payout. Now, according to most Mepharshim, these are just examples of trees which satisfy all five conditions. But any other tree which satisfies the five conditions would also be obligated in payout. The Mishnah just lists the most common ones which were there in Eretz Yisrael at the time. However, there are some opinions which interestingly hold that these are the only eight trees which are obligated in payer. Says the Mishnah, when it comes to a tree, number one, this is some sort of sumak, carobs, nuts, specifically walnuts, almonds, vines for grapes, pomegranates, olives, and dates, these are all examples of fruit which grow on a tree, and they are obligated in payer because they all satisfy all five of the conditions mentioned in the previous Mishnah. And when we say they're obligated in payer, we're going to understand that it's all midoraisa, that the Torah obligates these species in payer. There are some opinions who hold that there are only a few types of species which are obligated midoraisa. However, we're going to understand that all of these produce are midoraisa, obligated, and not just midjabonon. That's the opinion which most take on. Mishnah Vov, when a farmer harvests his field, there are certain gifts other than payer which he needs to give. For example, he needs to give Truma to a Kohen, he needs to give Maserishain to a Levi, and there are other gifts to give to the poor. Now the halacha is that produce which is separated to give to the poor, for example payer, the farmer does not need to separate Trumas and Maseris from that part of the field. So he would only need to take a 60th of the rest of the field. And the reason for this is because the Torah says, Vaha Levi, and the Levi will come to collect his Maserishain. Why? Because he does not have a portion or an inheritance with you. Meaning, when the tribes got part of Eretz Yisrael, when they split the land between them, the tribe of Levi did not get a portion in Eretz Yisrael. And the Torah is saying that as compensation for that, they get these gifts. And that's what the Pesach means, they have not got a portion with you. They don't have what you have. However, when it comes to things like payer, a poor Levi or a poor Kohen can take payer, and therefore they're no worse off than a normal Yisrael. They can come and collect the payer just like a normal Jew can, and therefore there's no reason now to give them the gifts, and therefore one does not need to take Trumas and Masters from his payer part of the field. Now the mitzvah of payer is that the farmer has to leave the edge of his field unharvested. He's meant to leave it stuck to the ground, and then the poor people will come and take it from the ground themselves. But what happens if the owner does harvest his entire field? He's still obligated to give the poor people what's entitled to them, and therefore he's supposed to take a 60th of his produce and give that to the poor people. And again, that part of the produce will be exempt from masters. However, once the produce becomes obligated, it reaches the stage where it's now obligated in masters generally, and that occurs once all the produce has been gathered together, the chaff, which is the part which the farmer does not want, has been removed, and it's all been stacked into a pile. At that stage, which is known as meruach, which is actually the smoothing over the pile, when you take a big shovel and you sort of smoothen over the pile to show that that pile is now ready, it's finished, it's totally been harvested, at that stage, produce generally becomes obligated in Trimus and Maestris. That's when the farmer would take Trimus and Maestris. So if this farmer still has not taken payer by this time, then even the payer produce, which he's going to separate but has not yet separated, even that becomes Chayv and Maestris now. The farmer is supposed to take Trumas and Maestris from the entire produce. But at the same time, he can't make the poor people lose out by him having to do that. And so he'll have to compensate them by taking a 60th of the original amount of produce which he had. Not the amount which he has after taking Trumas and Maestris, because that will be less. 
Rather, the amount that he had to take originally, he should give that to the poor people, but having taken Trumas and Masses from it. So the mission tells us, The farmer can always give the end part of his produce as payer, and if he doesn't do it while it's attached to the ground, he can still do it once it's been detached from the ground, and it will be considered normal payer. And therefore, the owner will be exempt from taking masters from it, just like all payer. However, this is only until the point that he smooths over the pile, indicating that he has completed the harvest, and therefore is now to take trimus and masters, and only then to give tithed produce, which means produce which the trimus and masters have been separated from, he should give that to the poor people. Now, once we said this, the mission now goes on to tell us that for a farmer can always make his produce ownerless, and then upotmanamaisus, he won't need to take maisus from it. And the same reason we gave for why payer is exempt from maisus applies over here. Because the whole reason why the levy gets the trimus and maisus, or the coin gets the trimmer, the levy gets the maisus, is because they're at a disadvantage in that they didn't get the land. However, when it comes to ownerless land and ownerless produce, they have equal right to a normal Jew. And therefore, the person who now takes this ownerless produce and harvests the field, he does not need to take maestros and separate it for a coin and a levy. But once again, this is only Alchia Moreach. If the original owner made it Hefka, he made it ownerless before smoothing over the pile. But if he only did it after that, that means he only made it ownerless after it had already become obligated in maestros. And once it's obligated in Mises, it's too late to now remove that obligation, and therefore he should take Trimus Mises first, and only then can he make it ownerless for anybody to take. Thirdly, another law relating to Trimus and Mises, and that is that during the harvest period, the, the process of the harvesting, before it's been completed, the halacha is that although it's forbidden for somebody to eat from that produce a proper fixed meal until the tithes have been taken, the tithes being trimus and maestras, the various gifts for the Karnim, Leviim, and poor people, before those tithes have been taken, he can't eat a fixed meal. However, a person is allowed to eat from it temporarily. You can have snacks from that produce, just not a fixed meal. Now, when it comes to feeding his animals, he can even give them fixed meals from this produce which is going through the harvesting process. Now, once the harvesting process has been completed, and that happens at the stage of Meruach, when the pile of produce is smoothed over, at that stage, a person now can't even eat from the produce temporarily, whereas an animal, although it can no longer eat from that produce as a fixed thing, it can't have proper meals from it, the owner can give little snacks to the animal from that field. So the Mishnah tells us, One can feed his um, domesticated animals, his wild animals, and his birds. He can feed them fixed meals from the produce, and that produce which they eat before the stage of Meruach is exempt from Trumas and Masters, until the stage of Meruach. But past that stage, the animals can no longer eat a fixed meal until the necessary tithes are separated and taken away from that produce. Fourthly, the Notelman Agoren Vizarea. One is allowed to take from the threshing floor. He can take seeds Vizarea and plant them again. You can replant the produce which you started harvesting, and that produce which you replanted will be exempt from Maestras. Again, until the stage of Meruach, but past that stage, you can no longer replant the produce unless you've already tithed it. Dev Rabbi Akiva, that's the opinion of Rabbi Akiva. There's another opinion which isn't mentioned in the Mishnah, that even before the stage of Meruach, one can't replant the produce unless he t- took the maestas from it. But Rabbi Akiva argues, and he holds that at least before Meruach, 
you can replant it. And all of that is Midrabonon. Midraisa, you can replant the produce even after Midruach, and you won't need to take Maestras. But Midrabonon, one does have to tithe them. The only question is when. And that's Machleka between Rabbi Akiva and the unmentioned opinion in our Mishnah. Now, before we learn the next part of the Mishnah, we need to introduce another couple of laws to do with Trumas and Maestras. And I know the Mishnah is really piling them on now, but we'll get the hang of it as we go through Seder Zeroyim, because these rules keep on coming up throughout the entire Seder. So even though there's a lot of information coming in now, we'll apply this information to many more Mishnahists in the future as well. Produce from which Trumas and Maestras have not yet been taken, it hasn't been tithed yet, that is known as Tevel. And it's a very serious Aveira to eat Tevel. Now a Kohen who has Tevel, just like a normal Jew, a normal farmer, he has to separate all of the Trumas and Mises, which a normal farmer has to. However, once he's separated it, the Truma he can certainly keep for himself, because that goes to a Kohen. But even the Maiserishon, which generally is a tenth of the produce which goes to a Levi, the Halacha is that if a Kohen separates Maiserishon from his own produce, he is allowed to keep that Maiserishon after he's separated it, and keep it for himself. Now when it comes to a levy who's doing this, if a levy has tevel produce, which means it hasn't yet been tithed, and he tithes it, he's certainly allowed to keep the maserishain, because that anyway goes to a levy. But truma can only be eaten by a kohen, and therefore the levy would need to give the truma part of the produce to a kohen. Now by the way, truma is much less than maserishain. Truma is generally, on average, 2% of one's produce. Whereas Maserishin is 10%. Now one more word of introduction, that is that when the Mishnah refers to Maestras in the plural, it generally includes both Maserishin, which is the 10% which goes to a Levi, as well as Truma, which is the 2% which goes to a Kohen. So the Mishnah tells us, Kohen v'Levi shalokhwes ha'goyren, a Kohen or a Levi who buy the produce from a farmer at the threshing floor. So the harvesting process has begun, and the Kohen and Levi, one of them, they go to the threshing floor, and they buy the produce. The halach is, Hamas shalohem. They can keep the maestras, like we explained. So if it was a Kohen, then he could keep both the truma and the maestrishen. Whereas if it's a Levi, then he could keep the maestrishen and just give away the truma. However, this is only true, actually, if they buy the produce before it was smoothed over in the pile. But if the entire harvesting process has been completed which is past the stage of Meruach, at that stage it's considered the completion of the harvesting process, if they only buy it after that, but before the owner has separated the Trimus and Maestras, then when they end up separating the Trimus and Maestras, they can't keep it for themselves, rather they have to give it to a different Kohen or a different Levi. And this is Midrabonon, and the reason for this is because if the Kohen or Levi could keep the tithes for themselves, then you would end up with a situation where wealthy Kohanim, who can afford to buy a lot of produce, they would go to the farmer, and the father now is obligated to separate 10% of his produce for Maiserishen, plus 2% for Truma. So you could imagine that a wealthy Kohen would go up to the farmer and say, I'll do a deal with you. Without me doing anything, you would have to get rid of 12% of your produce, leaving you just 88% of your original produce. Now, I'm offering to buy all of your produce now, before you've had to take away the 12%, and I'll pay you the price of 95% of it. So this way we're both gaining. I get 5% off, and I can keep all of the produce, because I'm a coin, and you're gaining, because you're getting payment for 95% of it, whereas otherwise you'd only be able to keep 88% of it. Now, if we allowed this deal, then we'd end up with a situation where none of the poor Karnim and LVM are able to get any of the Trimus and Maestras, because they're not able to pay for 95% of it. They haven't got that sort of money. 
and therefore to prevent that happening, the Rabbanon said that a Kohen or a Levi who buys produce from the farmer cannot keep the Trumasomyces for himself, rather he has to give it away to a different Kohen or a different Levi. Now the question is, if that's the case, then this should apply whenever the Kohen or Levi buy produce from a farmer, not just after the stage of Meruach. However, the answer to that is that the Rabbanon only instituted this decree in a common case. But since it was very uncommon anyway for somebody to buy produce before the harvesting process has been completed, they didn't make this decree for somebody who buys produce from a farmer before the stage of Meruach. Right, now one more clause of the Mishnah, and that is to do with Hektosh. Hektosh is Beis Hamikdosh property. And the halach is that somebody can make any of his property hektosh. He can designate something to the Beis Hamikdash. So in our example, somebody makes his produce hektosh. But then he decided that actually he wants to keep his produce. And therefore he wants to redeem the produce onto money. And give the value of the produce to the Beis Hamikdash instead. Now the halach is that if somebody does this, he redeems hektosh property onto money. He has to add a fifth of its value onto it. So he ends up giving more money to the Beis HaMikdosh. Now, Hektosh produce is exempt from Maestras. The reason for this is because the Pesach says, Maser de Goncha, the Maestra of your grain, which implies that only if it's your personal grain do you have to separate Maestras. So if it belongs to the Beis HaMikdosh, then you don't. And the Beis HaMikdosh don't have to separate Maestras. Now, in our situation in the Mishnah, Hamakdish, one who makes his produce Hektosh, there, and then he redeems it onto money. So if he redeems it before the stage of Meruach, so that he is the one who ends up smoothing over the pile, so that's the point where it becomes Chayv and Maestras. And at that point, it did not belong to the Beis HaMikdosh, and therefore Chayv and Maestras, the produce is obligated in Maestras. However, this is only if he redeemed it, Ad Gizbar, before the Gizbar smoothed over the pile. The Gizbar is the one who runs the management of the Beis HaMikdosh, and the mission is telling us that if it was him who smoothed over the pile because it still belonged to Hektosh at the stage of Meruach, then at that stage it was exempt from Maestras. So if he redeems it after Meruach, even though now he personally owns it, he is still exempt from taking Maestras because at the stage where it be- should have become Chayv and Maestras, it belonged to Hektosh. And therefore once that has happened, it cannot become Hektosh later on. Pericles, when the Torah commands a farmer to take payah, it says that he has to take payah from Sodokha your field. And we learn from here that each field requires a separate payer. So if somebody has two different fields, he can't take one big payer from one of them on behalf of both of them. Rather, he has to take payer from each field independently. The question is, what exactly makes two different fields? What's considered a significant enough separation that one would need to take two different payers from each part of the field? Says the mission of the Ilmaf seeking the payer, the following things make a proper separation in terms of payer that one would need to take two different payers from each part of the same field even. Number one, Hanachal, if a river goes through somebody's field, then I'll have to take two different trimmers from either side of the river. They're considered like two different fields. Vahashalulis, an irrigation canal, this is water which runs through the field, and then lots of smaller streams come off of this main irrigation canal and then water goes to all parts of the field on either side. So again, this main irrigation canal which cuts through the field, that would separate the two sides. A private path, which by definition has to be at least four amas wide. And a public pathway. Well, the truth is, derech means more of like a road. So a public road, which by definition is at least 16 amas wide, that would separate the fields. But in fact, even a shavil harabim, a public path, which is smaller, it's less than 16 Amas, or Shvil Hayochid, and a private path which is less than 4 Amas, and these paths were generally just used to walk on. 
No wagons, just a person walking. But even that is separating the field. However, that's only true if Hakov If it's just a little path, then it has to be fixed. It has to be there throughout the summer and the winter, all year round. If that is the case, then it's considered a significant enough separation. Furthermore, the Habur, an area of land which is left unplanted, if that runs through the middle of the field, that would also separate both sides of the field, either side of this area. Vahanir, also if you have a strip of ploughed land in the middle of your field, again that would also separate the two sides. Vizera Ache, or if you have a strip of another species, which is planted in the middle of your field, that would also separate either side. And now we have one last case, which is subject to a dispute, and that is Vahakutsala Shachas. If somebody harvests a strip of land in the middle of his field, for the sake of animal fodder, food for his animals, mafsik, it is considered a separation de Rebbe Meir, that is the opinion of Rebbe Meir, who reasons that since you're harvesting it now for animal food, it's presumably not really ripe and ready for human consumption, and therefore we don't view it as the beginning of the field's harvest, rather it's a totally separate harvest to the rest of the field, and therefore it does make a separation in the middle of the field. However, v'chachom o'rim, v'chachom say that ain't a mafsik, it is not considered a separation because the Chacham view this as the beginning of the harvest of the rest of the field. Even though you're doing it for the animals, this is really the beginning of the rest of your field's harvest. And therefore it's considered the same as the rest of the field, so it does not make a separation. However, Elohim Kain Chorash, unless he actually plows that area, because if he plows that area, then it becomes a near, a plowed strip of land which we mentioned above, and that does make a separation in the field. So again, lots of new concepts, lots of new information, as we're really beginning now, say the Zerayim. But as we learn more and more Mishnayas in this Masechta and the next few Masechtas, we will pick up and remember all these concepts, because they are repeated literally throughout the entire Seder Zerayim. But for now, let's just do extra Chazara to ensure that we understand and remember the Mishnayas.